Let's get into this. You guys ready for this? Second Kings chapter four. And like I said, we're going to read verses one through seven. And again, I, I mentioned to you that I'm attacking this from many different angles because I want you to get a very clear picture of, you know, how you should be preparing yourself for this upcoming year. Okay, you guys ready? Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. It says, now one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out to, to Elisha for help, <laughs> saying, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord. Now, so this man, here's this great man of God, right? He's a prophet. He was in the school of the prophets, you know, and, and, and obviously he must have been noticeable because Elisha knew who he was, right? And, um, you know, but he dies. And now his wife is coming to the man of God. And she says, you know, she, he has a testimony. She says, you know that he, you know, you know that he feared the Lord. She says, but the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves and payment for a loan. My God, man. Can you imagine how much debt you must be in? That they're ready to take your kids as slaves? I mean, we're not talking about putting it on your credit report. You know? <laughs> And jacking your credit up, said, no, we're coming to get your kids. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to put them to work to pay this debt off. I mean, can you imagine how much debt you got to be in for that? He ain't a couple of bucks in debt. I mean, this guy has some serious debt. And so this is my point in saying that. See, now see, choice, not chance, right? You could be a great man, great woman of God. See, he feared the Lord. He loved God. Obviously, God loved him, right? Elisha knew who he was. He's a prophet, right? So God was using him. But yet, he dies in so much debt that they're ready to take his kids. So you can be a man of God or a woman of God and not handle your business and leave your family in a bind. I mean, this guy, this great man of God, and left his family in a financial bind. So, I mean, forget about burying him. Like, like a lot of people... You can't bury him. Oh, man, I, I got to go fund me so we can bury him. No, they're trying to take my kids. They ain't, we ain't just worried about burying this guy. We're worrying about what happens afterwards. They're about to take my kids. That's the debt that this guy was in. See, I want to see again. I, see, whenever I preach, I want you to really, whenever you read the word of God, I want you to focus on what's going on, you know, what's really happening in the scriptures, because these are real people and these are real situations that are happening. And there's so many people right now that they love God, God loves them, but because they don't handle business, they're broke. And God's not going to wave his hand and just give you some money. If you don't learn how to manage your finances, in fact, God won't give it to you because he doesn't, he's not a poor investor. He's not going to give money to someone that's going to blow it. <laughs> so you have to, you, you, don't, you just can't have the spiritual unlock. You got to have your natural unlock. And then you can't just have your natural unlock. You got to also have your spiritual unlock, right? You have to have them both working together, right? There's, there's, a, there's a middle ground, and we got to find it. Can you say amen? amen? So this is the situation that they find themselves in. And Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? <laughs> Can you believe that? You know, they, I guess, you know, she thought that the man of God was going to put his hand in his pocket, give her a couple of bucks. But he says, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Tell me 
What do you have in a, of value in your house? And she said, your, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a small jar of oil. And she says, then he said, go borrow containers from all your neighbors, empty containers, and not just a few. Then you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil you have into all these containers. And you shall set aside each one when it's full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they were bringing her the containers as she poured the oil. And when the containers were all full, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said to her, there is not one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. And then she came and told the man of God, and he said to her, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your son shall live off the rest. Now, in this, I really believe, I'm going to get into this, but in this, I believe that this story contains keys to having a major turnaround in your life. Now, see, as I mentioned earlier, the difference between where we are and where we want to be is created by the changes we're willing to make in our lives. What this woman did, to what did this woman do to change her situation? We're going to get into that. How did she activate the miracle that she needed? Right? And these answers to those questions will determine like, what you need to do in order to create a miracle in your life. You guys ready for this? Let me, let me give you a little background really quickly. Now, I talked about this man of God, right? She's in this desperate situation. This man of God dies and leaves her in so much debt that they're going to take her sons as slaves. And again, like I mentioned, you know, you got to be in a lot of debt for that to happen. And I said there's a spiritual side and there's a natural side of life. And we as Christians need to make sure that we focus on the spiritual, but not forget about the natural. And it's possible to do one without sacrificing the other. Can you say amen? Now, I don't believe for a moment that God wanted this man to completely neglect his financial needs and his families just to serve. I don't believe that. I don't believe for a moment that this man's family should have been in a position of needing this type of a miracle just to pay off the debt that he left them with. Right? I don't believe that. And that leads me to another point. Again, miracles, let me say this to you, miracles are not God's best for your life. I'm going to say that again. Miracles are not God's best for your life. Miracles are awesome. And I believe in miracles, and I love miracles. But they're not God's best for your life. Miracles are only necessary when you're at the end of your rope. Right? God would much rather you have abundance than you to be in need of a miracle. <laughs> right? The woman with the issue of blood needed a miracle. Right? She's bleeding for years. Divine health is better than needing a miracle. Can you say amen? amen? This woman is so much debt, they're about to take her kids. Divine wealth is better than needing a miracle. Can you say amen? amen? So miracle is not God's best for your life. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't believe in miracles, and I don't, that, don't believe, that, that doesn't mean that I don't believe that God is still in the miracle working business. And if you need one, God can get it to you. Right? But God would much rather you have affairs in order so that you can make sure you're taking care of your business. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Now, what I will say about this man of God is this. His godly life caused God to show compassion to his wife and his family. Right? 
With that being said, living for God, it means something. Never forget that. Now, this doesn't negate the first point, right? You still got to take care of business. But this man's life moved God to the point that he sent help in the form of this man of God. And so if you don't have an opportunity to leave your family with natural inheritance, make certain that you leave them with a spiritual one, right? Now, again, you should leave them with both. But leaving them with the favor of God is better than leaving them with silver and gold, all right? So now let's break this down. You guys ready for this? And you guys take some notes on this. But my number one thing is this. My number one is stop looking for man's help and start looking for God's help. Right? In Psalms chapter 60, verse 11 through 12, it says, I love this. Lord, give us help against the enemy. Listen to this. For the help of man is worthless, ineffectual, and without purpose. And it says, through God we will have victory, for we will trample down our enemies. You see this? I like that. For the help of man is worthless. Thank God for people that will be willing to help you. But at the end of the day, you know, the only person that you can really count on for real help is God. And see, once this woman asked the man of God for help, again, you would think he would reach in his pocket, give her some money, right? I guess that's what she was looking for. But he doesn't. Why? Because this woman doesn't need a couple of bucks. <laughs> she needs a miracle. <laughs> this woman has a large debt. <laughs> this woman needs divine intervention. This woman needs a word from God. And the bottom line is this, you know, when you need stuff like that, you know, is I put this here. I said, you know, many of you think you need someone to give you a few bucks or you need a person to give you a little help. But what you really need is a word from God. That's what you really need. A few books, a few bucks to help you get through the week, maybe even the month. But a word from God will transform your life forever. <laughs> you see, if this woman would have been angry with the man of God for not giving her a few bucks, she would have missed out on the word of the Lord. See, he didn't put his hand in his pocket and give her a few bucks, but he gave her the word of the Lord, which was much more valuable because that word of the Lord transformed everything that she was going on in her life. Now, I'm saying that to you to say this. Right now, getting ready to enter into 2023, we need to be seeking the word of the Lord. You know, stop looking, oh, I want maybe so-and-so will help me. Maybe this person will help me. Stop worrying about that. Find out what God is saying to you. Get your word from God because that word will transform your life forever. See, the word of God is powerful. When his word, wake up, young man. I love you. Wake up. The word of the Lord is powerful. And when he begins to speak and he gives you a word, that word when he spoke to Peter and told him, come, so powerful that it enabled him to walk on water. That's how powerful the word of God is. See, you know, so, so you don't need a couple of bucks. You don't need a little help from some. You need some. You need a word from God because a one word from God can set you up for your entire 2023. Just one word. He don't, he don't have to talk a lot. He told Peter, come. You know, he say, well, you know, if you do this, no, come. One word enabled him to walk on water. Can you imagine what one word will do for you? Just one word. So again, this woman doesn't need, you know, she didn't need him to reach his hand in his pocket. 
because her kids are about to be sold as slaves. So she is in major debt. <laughs> she needs a miracle. Can you say amen? So that's number one. As you get ready to enter into 2023, find out what God is saying to you. Like I said, you need to begin to seek God now and find out, okay, God, what are you saying to me for this year? What is my word for you? I've been seeking God for at least two months now. And little by little, he's been giving me, like, directions for this upcoming year. See, I was saying this earlier. See, if you don't, if I was thinking about this. I said, if you don't give your life direction, circumstances will. See, and when you, get, when you get a word from God, he'll begin to give you direction for your life. The steps of a good man or woman, they're ordered of the Lord. Right? So I need God's direction so I know which way I'm going. The last thing I want to do in life is be lost. See, I don't, see, I, I don't like being lost when I'm driving. I hate, I hate being lost. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm so grateful that they created the GPS. You know, I was telling somebody, I remember when I was a kid, I had a best friend, you know, and he, if, he, if, he got there, if he was there one time, he could get back there. I mean, he just like had this memory on him. He just like, I don't care if he'd been there one time, he could get you back. And so he drove with me everywhere because I didn't know where I was going. Back then, we didn't have GPS. We had MapQuest or something like that. Before, this, before even MapQuest, and you had to print out all this stuff, and you were trying to drive, and you read, turn left, you know, like you flipping. <laughs> so I took him with me everywhere. He was like, turn, turn right up here. Yeah, turn over here. And next thing, I'm like, I'm thinking in my mind, does he know where he's going? Like, next thing you know, we wind up there. I'm like, man, this guy got some kind of memory, man. <laughs> and he said, don't worry about it. If we can get back to Newark, we can get home. We good. <laughs> we be way out somewhere. We be driving back. You're like, we could just follow the signs for Newark. I mean, you know, when you go to certain places, they want you out of their city. I don't care where you are. You get a big sign and say Nork. And it's like, I mean, like you way out, hour away, the sign say Nork. Like, like, we want to get y'all out of here, get you back to where you belong. <laughs> okay, where you are? Big old you sign say Nork. <laughs> just keep following those signs. If we get to Nork, we're going to get home. We'll be all right. <laughs> so you need divine direction. Can you say amen? amen? We need to hear the word of the Lord. What am I supposed to do this year? What am I, where am I supposed to be going? You know, where is the favor at? Where are the opportunities at? God, give me divine directions. Can you say amen? amen? Now, number two, he says to her, see, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in your house? <laughs> and so she says, your maidservant has nothing. She has nothing except a small jar of oil. And I put here, what do you have of value? You have something. Every single person in here has something of value. And I put here, never think that you have nothing. You have something. Everybody has something, right? The amazing thing is that this little lady's miracle was tied to the something that she already had in her house. Her miracle was tied to it already. Whatever. She had something in her house, and see, it wasn't anything that was significant to her. But it was all she needed 
for her situation to turn around. It, it meant nothing to her. She said, I, I have nothing. With that being said, I want to submit to you that your miracle is tied up in something that you already have of value. That can be an offering. That could be a skill that you have. Even if it's small and may be insignificant to you, everyone has something of value in their possession. I'm, 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 I'm really I'm teaching you something good here. You just need to stop calling it nothing. Right? What you have is not helping you or working for you because you think it's nothing. It's insignificant to you. You know, and that's why it's not working for you because you think it's nothing. Right? The moment you start valuing the little something you have, it will become your exception. She says, I have nothing except. I got something. You know, it's little to me, but I have I don't have anything except. See, if you stop viewing it as nothing, it'll become your exception. <laughs> The moment you start valuing it, it'll become your exception. She had nothing except a small jar of oil, but that's all she needed. She just wasn't aware of it. So I'm going to ask you right now, what do you have of value? Everybody has a talent, a skill, something that if they put it in the master's hands will become great. God has gifted you. He's given you talents. Right? Everybody. There's nobody in here that doesn't have it. The issue is that we're so focused on someone else's skills, someone else's talents, and what they can do that we, we, we don't think that what we have is anything. Right? Because I can't, I can't sing like so-and-so. I have nothing. No. Because I can't do this. They can do this. I can't do that. So I, what I have is nothing. No, God has given us all gifts. He's given us all talents. He's given us all abilities. And he says, if you'll begin to focus on your strengths and stop, you know, so being so focused on your weaknesses, you can take those strengths and begin to use them, and they can begin, begin to produce for you. See, we all do that, right? We focus on, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. What can you do? What can you do? Stop worrying about what you can't do. What can you do? Focus on that. See, we spend too much time trying to build our weaknesses, which we should really be doing is perfecting our strengths. I have nothing except. See, what is your exception? What do you have of value? What can you do well? You know, that you can then take that and begin to perfect it. And then it becomes that something that you need. I got to keep moving. You guys getting something out of this? Number three. See, God is able to multiply the little you have, that exception, if you place it in his hands. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, and he amplified, it says, When evening came, the disciples came to him, talking about Jesus, and said, this is an isolated place, and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
And they are like, what? And he said, they replied, we have, no, we have nothing here except. <laughs> I love it, man. That's it. We don't have anything except. See? If you give God your exception, right? We don't have anything except. I can sow a little bit. I can bake a little bit. I can sing a little bit. I can rap a little bit, right? I, I have nothing except, right? Except this here. I can sow, right, a little bit. I have nothing except. It says we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. We got a couple of fish dinners. <laughs> That's all we got. And I love it. He said, bring them here to me. See? If you take the little bit you got and you put it in the masses, he bring it. You, that's all you got? That's all right. Give it here. Just bring it to me. Just bring it to me. What, what do you have, right, that you can give to God? Just bring it here. Just, just give it to me. That's all right. That's all you got. Don't worry about it. Just give it here. I love it. I love it. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up towards heaven. I love it. See, this is, this is the part that God always blesses me with. He takes those two fish. He takes those five loaves, he looks up to heaven, and he begins to curse God for the little bit he has. He begins to complain, tell God, I can't believe that this is all you're giving me. I can't believe that you give me so little to work with. Right? Did he do that? No, right? He didn't look up to heaven and begin to curse God. He looked up to heaven, he blessed. He blessed. He, he was thankful for that little bit he had. And see, this is what I'll tell you. If you'll be thankful for the little you had, God will multiply it. You be thankful and stop complaining. You know, and stop telling God, I can't believe that this is all I got. If you start blessing it, if you start being thankful for it, God will multiply it. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed it, broke the loaves and gave to them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate. And I like this part. And they were satisfied. I like that. I'm not talking, they didn't just get a little crumb of bread, a little taste of fish. No, the Bible says that they ate and they were satisfied. That means when they, when they finished, they was like, oh, man. Have you ever ate and been satisfied? Man, I eat. When I'm, when I eat and I'm satisfied, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> See? They ate, I like that, see, and they were satisfied. I mean, so you see, when God does something, he don't just give you a little something, you know, a little taste. Oh, well, well, thank God. I mean, that would have been a miracle right there if everybody got a taste. <laughs> 5,000 people plus women and children. But they all ate, and they were satisfied. I love that. And they were satisfied. And not only that, then they picked up 12 full baskets of the leftover broken pieces. So each disciple had a whole basket full of fish and bread. <laughs> I love it. And there were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. We're talking about 10, 15,000 people maybe. I'm talking about off of Five fish and two loaves. 
But that's what happens when you take the little bit you have and you give it to the master. We don't have anything except. See, you got to give God your exception. That thing that you think is nothing. That thing that you think is just some little thing that you, you got to give. If you give that to God, he'll take that exception and he'll blow your mind with it. I don't care what it is. As long as you put it in his hands, it'll become much. Can you say amen? <laughs> and I put here, now that, you, now that you know you have something, you have to be willing to give it to God. You have to be willing and have enough faith to put the little bit you have into the master's hands so he can turn it into your miracle. You see, if God touches it, I don't care how small it is, it'll begin to multiply. <laughs> so again, never think that you have nothing to work with. Any small thing will become big in the master's hands. I don't care how small it is. See, these men thought they have nothing of significance, but when they gave it to Jesus, the few fish and the few loaves that they had was able to feed about 10 to 15,000 people. Jesus. See, that's the power of placing your little bit into the master's hands. That little talent you have, you know, just that little talent, that little ability that you have, when you place it in his hands, it'll become a harvest of much. And see, that's what this woman experienced when she had that, just that little bit of oil. But when she put it in his hands, it became much. Can you say amen? amen. I'm telling you, man. See, I got to stay focused. I, I, really, I really do. That's number three, okay? You guys getting something? Four, you know? And the reason why that's important is because your faith without works is dead. James 2, 17 through 26, it says, even so faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. And it says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devil also believes. The devils, right? And they tremble. He says, but wilt thou know, O man of O man, that faith without works is dead. Then it goes on to talk about Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only? Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them another way? Now listen to this. This is important. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. See, you have to put some action to what you're saying. It's not just about words. It's about actions. And that's why I said, you know, if you change your thoughts, You'll change your words, and then your actions will begin to follow. And your actions are the things that ultimately is the important part, right? Again, faith without works is dead faith. The bottom line is this. You have to obey the word of God because faith is an action word. I want you to understand that. Before your faith can produce results, there must be corresponding acts of obedience to the word. Faith will always lead you to do something. Because the word of God works on a conditional basis. He will ask you to do something as a seed, and he will respond to your obedience in harvest form. 
Again, faith, faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it is released when you obey the word of God. Does that make sense? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it's released when you operate, when you work that word, when you do something with the word once you receive it. So faith is not just knowing and it's not just hearing. It's also believing and doing. And I said that to say this. You'll only begin to receive results from the word of God when you become a doer of the word of God. That is how you release your faith. Without corresponding acts of obedience, your faith, the Bible says, is dead. Belief in God's word and action upon his word equals faith. That's a real key. You hear that? Belief in God's word and action upon his word equals faith. That's the key. It's not just believing. I have faith. Well, if you're not doing that, if you didn't, if you didn't do what you know, what you heard the word of God, you're not, you're not operating in faith. You have, you may, you may know that that's true. You may think it's true. You may hope it's true. But until you do it, you're not practicing faith. Once you marry the two, you will see God's word begin to work in your life. And I want you to hear this. God's word will work if you work it. And you work the word of God by being a doer of the word. Now let's get back to the story, right? With all that being said, on faith, this widow woman had to take the little oil she had and put it in the master's hands. She said, I have nothing except a little jar of oil. <laughs> now she also, on faith, had to go and borrow many containers for a small jar of oil. I want you to think about this. See, again, I don't want you to just read the word and glance over things. He says, what do you have? I got a little jar of oil. Yeah, I got me. Uh, I got a little jar of oil. Okay, what I want you to do now with that oil, I want you to go to your neighbors, and I want you to borrow empty containers from them. Not a few. He was very specific. Not a few of them. <laughs> go get empty containers. Not a few. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can imagine what most people would think, well, for what? For this? <laughs> for this little jar of oil? Like, are you serious? I want you to go to your neighbors, and I want you to borrow empty containers. Not a few of them. On faith, she has to go to her neighbors, knock on the doors, and say, hey, I need to borrow some containers from you. Some containers for you. For this little jar of oil. Now that takes faith. Those of you be like, for what? What am I doing that for? What am I doing that for? That don't make no sense. But see, the word of God oftentimes won't make sense. And that's why it takes faith. That's why it takes faith. Faith is, I don't see it. I don't understand how that's going to happen. But because you said it, I trust you and I'm going to do it. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It's not understanding, you know, not being able to figure it out. It's just simply God said it, so I'm going to do it. Now I want you to go borrow empty jars. Don't do a few of them. Get a lot of them because you're going to need it. Again, to many, that would be a ridiculous action and a huge waste of time. <laughs> I mean, look, man of God, I told you they're about to come get my kids. Mm -hmm. Are you wasting my time here, man? Mm -hmm. You know, I need, 
I need, I need some bucks so I can get my kids, you know, so that they don't be sold as slaves, man. You're talking about I got this little jar of oil. You're telling me to go borrow containers. <laughs> you're wasting my time here, man. That little jar of oil probably couldn't even fill up one container, let alone many empty containers. But she doesn't focus on what she has. She focuses on what the word of the Lord was to her. That's the real key. Stop looking at what you have and trust what God has said in his word. Again, I have nothing except. Then that's enough. Especially if it gets into the master's hands. So now she got to go. She goes, to, she, she goes to do that. And I put here, that's my number four. Number five, if you keep bringing, God will keep multiplying. <laughs> In 2 Kings 4, verse 6, it says, when the containers were all full, right? She go, he, the, they go, they borrow all these containers. They start pouring out this oil. And I mean, it's filling up these jars. I mean, this thing is like not stopping. Can you imagine? I start pouring this thing, and it don't. It's, it ain't going down. It just keep on pouring. Like it just kept pouring. Like it's, give me another container. Pour. Give me one more. I mean, it just kept. That thing just kept going. And it said, he says to her son, "Bring me another container. Come on, keep them coming, son." <laughs> and he said to her, "There's not one left. We don't have any more." Listen to this then the oil stopped multiplying. <laughs> the only reason, she'd be still pouring today <laughs> if, she, if she had more containers coming. But the mo it, it only stopped when she wasn't able to bring another jar. Other than that, it, kept, it just kept multiplying. <laughs> In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give or bring, I put here, and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, and poured out into your lap. And it says the amount you give or bring to God will determine the amount you'll get back. <laughs> you want God to keep pouring? Keep giving. Keep bringing. This is a huge point. The miracle didn't stop, meaning the oil didn't stop pouring until she had no more empty containers available. That just shows you that we are the only ones that can limit God. God is unlimited. His power is unlimited. <laughs> as long as she was able to produce empty containers, God was able to fill them with oil. The oil didn't stop multiplying until she no longer was able to produce containers. That just means that as long as you keep giving, you keep bringing, God will continue to multiply. Don't stop giving when you think you have what you want. Keep on giving. Keep on bringing. Keep giving it to God and giving him something to work with, and he'll continue to multiply. And that's how you get to the place of abundance. Right? People got, you know, God said to me something. Blew my mind, right? About a year ago. I'm looking out, and I mentioned this before, but I looked out, I was looking out my windows. I said, see, I got these French doors, right? I'm looking out the, the lake across the street from my house, right? And I'm sitting there, right? And I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so, I'm so thankful. I said, I'm so blessed, right? And God said to me, he said, this is just a taste. I was like, what? 
And then God began to speak to me. Now I'm in prayer right now. I'm looking. He says, this is his taste, right? And he says, many people have left me for the taste. I gave them a little taste of my blessing. And, you know, they left me for it. And he said, that was just a taste. I was ready to give them more. But, but, but they left me for the taste. They got a little blessed, got a good job or something like that, got a little bit of money, and they left me for it. And he said, that was just a taste. And he said, don't leave, don't leave me for the taste. Because that's just a little, it's a little something. And, like, like, and he showed me, it's like, it's like have, you ever, have you ever went to an ice cream place? And you're like, you know, let me get a little taste of that. You know, and they give you those little spoons, right? <laughs> little tiny spoon, give you a little taste, right? He said, that's what it is like. That ain't no bowl. He says, no, I gave you a little, a little spoonful of taste. That's good, right? How about a whole bowl of it, though? <laughs> right? So don't leave, me, don't leave me for the taste. You keep, you keep bringing, you keep giving yourself to God, God will keep multiplying. God will keep blessing you. I mean, he'll blow your mind. You'll be like, whoa. Like, I mean, one day you wake up, you'll be like, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm here. Don't get a little taste from God and leave him. With that being said, that leads me to number six. God has big plans for you. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, this is in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. I like that. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, this is what the scriptures means. When, it, when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. My God. In Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21, it says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. My God. According to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. My God, man. To him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than we can even ask, think, hope, or imagine. My God. I, I, this is what I want to say to you, and I got to stay focused. God has bigger plans to, for you than you have for yourself. That's why I, when I read all those scriptures, I wanted to show you that. All this widow woman was looking for was a way to get out of debt and save her kids from slavery. That's it. That's it. If I can get enough money just to get out of this debt so that my kids are not, we'll, we'll figure it out after that. But I just want to get my kids off this auction block. I don't want them to be slaves. You know, if I can just get enough money to pay off the debt, that'll be good enough for me, right? Some of you are thinking, man, if I can just, you know, get out this debt, if I can just pay this thing off, if I can just, you know, pay my rent for this month, you know, whatever, right? You're just looking for that little thing. If you can just do that for me, I'll be, I'll be all right. Just do that. That's all she was looking for. She wasn't looking for nothing big, but God had bigger plans for her. By the time God finished blessing her, not only did she have enough money to pay the debt off and save her kids, but she also had a new oil business. 
Oh, I'll read it to you in the scriptures. Uh, if you don't believe it, I'll read me go back. I'll read it in the scriptures. The oil stopped multiplying. Then she came and told the man of God. All right, man of God, I did what you told me. I got all of these, these containers of oil. What do you want me to do now? He said, go, sell the oil, pay the debt, and you and your sons can live off the rest. <laughs> that sounds like an oil selling business to me. <laughs> she got her an oil selling. Not only did she was able to pay off the debt, not only was her kids not have to be slaves, he says, now you can take the rest of that and live off of it. You and, the rest, you and your family can live off of this oil that you done, that you done uh, made and sold and all that stuff. <laughs> she had an oil business that would be able to take care of her and her kids for the rest of their lives. That's the miracle working power of God. <laughs> With that being said, I got incredible news for you. God's dreams for you are bigger and more elaborate than the dreams that you have for yourself. You can't even fathom how much God wants to bless you. If you were to take a piece of paper right now and write down your wildest dreams, God's plans would greatly exceed that. God is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you can ask, think, hope, or imagine. Listen, I mean, it's levels. Exceeding, abundantly, above all <laughs> that you can ask, think, hope, or even imagine. Here you are, just hoping, y'all, God, I just would just love to just get me a new little jalopy car. God is like, man, God's, I got bigger plans for you than that. I can just get into this little apartment. I got a house for you. Amen. You know, like, I mean, his, his plans for us are so much wilder and, 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 and more. I remember I heard this story. It was this, um, this man of God. He said he, was flying, he said he was flying in a plane, and he started asking God. He said, God, would you mind if I have a really nice, you know, house or whatever? Would you mind that? He said, you know, I want you to look out the window. He says, how, how big does uh, 100 acres look from here? And he said, like about that big. <laughs> and he says, to me it looks even smaller. <laughs> I just want some little thing, you know, and God is saying, man, I want to do so much more for you than that. If you would just, if you would just follow my guidance, if you, would, if you would just obey, right? You think I'm trying to take something from you. I'm trying to get everything to you. And you're worrying about, oh, I got to give that up, I got to give this up. Man, you ain't giving nothing up. Because God got big plans for you. And he's saying, scrap those little, those little plans you got for yourself, and I'm going to give you bigger, I'm going to give something bigger to you. <laughs> and I put now, as amazing as that is, I'm going to give you some more news. And this is, this is key. God's plans for your life are just that plans. His plans are his intentions for your life. But if you don't allow yourself with his plans for your life, it'll never happen. Because God needs your permission and your cooperation to fulfill the plans that he has for your life. See, God don't force you to do anything. 
He said, I got plans for you. Now, here's the plans. But, you know, no, I like these. These are my plans. I got, I got plans. God, I got my own plans. <laughs> God's saying, I got, my plans are better. No, 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 no. I got, I got plans for myself. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do the other thing. I like, look, if you follow my plans, man, I, I, I give you so much better than, no, no, but I, I like these plans. My own plans. I got my own thing I want to do. And if you decide to go another way and do your own thing, he's not going to stop you. He won't make you follow his plans. He'll let you just follow your own plans. And I put here, you can follow your own plans for your life. Or you can take those little plans you got from yourself and scrap them. And you can allow God to give you his plans for your life, which are greater. See, if you follow your own plans, it may be all right, but you will fall, you will fall far short of what God really wants to do for you. Amen. You know, the Bible says that as the heavens are lifted up above the earth, so much higher are my ways from your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. See, we have a very short-sighted view. You know, on Thursday night, I was preaching about Joseph, right? And you should go back and listen to that. But I was talking about the story of Joseph and the process of God. And, I mean, <laughs> all he thought about was his dream of his brothers, you know, falling down before him. I mean, but God wanted to put him in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. I mean, he got little plans, man. You know, he's happy to serve in Potiphar's house. But God got the palace on his mind. And he's saying, see, if you follow my plans, I'll get you to the palace. Your plans may get you to Potiphar's house, but my plans will get you to the palace. You'd be all right, do okay, but my plans will be so much bigger, so much greater, so much grander than your little plans are. With that being said, and I'm about to close right here. As we get ready to go into this new year, it's going to be so important to find out what is God saying to you? What are, what are your plans for my life? That's what I need to know. I need to know your plans. And so I'll give you this real quick. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, this word here for wisdom in the Greek is sophia, which means insight into the true nature of things. If any of you lack wisdom, to guide him through a decision or a circumstance, let him ask it of God, our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. See, right now, if you're wondering, all right, what's my next move? What am I to do? What are your directions for my life? What are your plans for me? He says, just ask me. If you get into my presence and you start asking me, I will start giving you divine direction for your life. I'll start showing you the way you need to go. I'll start helping you. I'll, I'll, I'll get you to that destination. You just got to be willing to scrap those little plans you got and begin to follow mine. And if you do that and you begin to listen to me as I give you guidance and direction, I'm going to lead you there. So now is the time for you to get into the presence of God and get a word for this upcoming year. You must give your life and your year direction. I mentioned this earlier. If you don't, circumstances will direct your life. 
Again, God has plans for you, but he needs your permission and your submission to those plans. So if you don't know the direction that you need to go in or what to do next, just pull over and ask God for directions. Right? You drive and you don't know where to go, just pull over. <laughs> Am I going the right way here? You know? Pull over, take a few moments, check with God, and make sure that you're going in the right direction. What do we got, another two weeks or so? I need every day be asking God, okay, what's my next? What do you want me to do next? What's the next move? You know, okay, this may not have worked. That didn't work. What you want me to do? Because God will give you direction if you ask him for it. If you spend time with God, enough time in prayer, God will answer every question you got. He will reveal to you everything that you need to know if you're willing to give God that time. He will not withhold information from you. God wants you to succeed and he wants you to prosper. So he's not going to withhold information from you if you seek him for it. Finally, once you get that word from God, you got to follow those steps of faith that the little woman did. Right? Because God may give you some crazy thing to do. <laughs> it is what it is, man. He may, he may tell you to do something. like, what? You want me to do what? <laughs> but if you follow his directions like that little widow woman did, you'll get your miracle. See, here's, here's the prophet Naaman. You know, Elisha's in the middle of all this stuff, right? Naaman is a great commander of this army, right? But he's a leper, the Bible says. So this little, this little girl is in his camp, and he says, you know, there's a prophet in Israel. If you go to the prophet, he'll be able to heal you. And so he's going to go to the prophet. So his king sent him, and he comes, you know, to the prophet Elisha's house. And he shows up at Elisha with this great caravan. You know, he got all of this, these horses and all of these men following him. And Elisha's sitting in his house. He expects Elisha to run out and say, oh, greetings, Naaman, you know. He doesn't even come out. He sends his servant out. He says, tell him to go wash in the River Jordan to dip seven times. <laughs> I mean... This guy gets so enraged, man. This guy gets so upset. He's like, I can't believe it. I thought he was going to come out. You know, I thought he was going to wave his hands, you know, like in front of my leprosy and say, recover the leper, and I would be healed, you know. <laughs> so he thought he was going to do some magic trick, you know. And he says, and here he is. He tells me to go wash in the Jordan. Now, the Jordan River was filthy, a muddy river. And he says, aren't, you know, this river better? Isn't that river better? You know, you start talking about all these rivers that are cleaner and better. Aren't these, well, no. If, if God didn't tell you to get in that water, no. It ain't better. And so, thank God, he had this servant that came to him. He says, he said, my father, you know, if the man of God asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done it? How much more when he just says, go dip in the, dip in the thing, you know? So he listens to him. Thank God he listens to him. He goes jumping this filthy, you know, Jordan River, and he has to dip seven times. Again, talking about faith. He goes down, comes back up, still full of leprosy. You know, 
and he muddy now, probably hot, mad, you know, like, I can't believe I'm in this river. Dips the second time, comes up still full of leprosy. And he's like, this filthy river, you know, like, dips again three times, goes all the way down, comes back up, got seaweed all over him, mud everywhere, you know. He's hot, you know, and the devil started talking to him. See, look at you, you're like a fool in this water, in this, <laughs> in this river, dipping this filthy river. This God tells you he don't even respect you. He tell you to go dip in this river, you know. And he, but he got, he just keeps, you know, obeying. He goes down again, four times, comes up, still full of leprosy. See, it wasn't going away little by little. Now it was still full of leprosy. He get no. It's like he got, a, he has to. The number seven speaks of complete, complete obedience. He had to completely obey. He goes down a fifth time, nothing. Six times, nothing. Finally, he goes down that seventh time. He comes up. Man, that leprosy is all gone. The Bible says his skin was as smooth as a baby's. I mean, this guy, man, I mean, you talking about being healed, man. He had smooth skin like a baby's skin because he completely obeyed God. So you got to be willing sometime to do crazy things, things that don't make sense to you or anybody else. But if you do something that God tells you to do, he'll cause a miracle to happen in your life. I got to get ready to close. But as put here, you see, she received her miracle because she obeyed the word of the Lord. I don't care how crazy the word may seem. Follow it and watch as God gives you the best year that you've ever had. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. We're about to get ready to close. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just want to say thank you right now for your word to us today. Lord, I pray that this word, that it penetrated the hearts of your people. I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' name, that it was a word in season. And I really do believe that you gave me this word to minister to your people, to get them ready for the best year that they have ever had. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that they will not toss this word aside, that they will not forget this word. As they, as they get into your presence, I pray that you'll begin to give them wisdom, that you'll give them clarity, that you'll give them understanding, that you'll let them know exactly what it is that they need to do to receive the miracle that you have for them. Grant them the grace to scrap the little plans that they have for themselves and submit themselves to your plans. Because your ways are not like our ways. They're higher. Your thoughts are higher than ours. We may have had plans and we thought they were good, but you said in your word that you're able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all of those plans. All that we can even ask, think, hope, or even imagine. So, Lord, we submit 
our lives to you. We submit our plans to you. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will give us your plans. That you will tell us the way that we need to go as we get ready to approach this year. Open up our ears that we may hear clearly what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And let us not harden our hearts, but let us have soft hearts that are able to receive the Word of God. And grant us the grace to step out on faith, no matter how crazy the Word is. Grant us the grace to step out on faith and do what you tell us to do. And Father, for it, we just want to say thank you. We bless you. We give you praise. In advance, we give you honor for giving us the greatest year that we've ever had. Grant us the grace to do what we have never done, to think different, speak different, operate different, so that we can receive something different. And Father Ford, we thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. Now listen, if you're here today, you've never accepted the Lord Jesus, you're watching online, you've never done so, if you need to get your heart right with God again, you need to repent, you need to come back because you've backslidden, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here, you can stand up. If you're watching online, stand up wherever you are, and we're just going to say this simple prayer. We're going to all do it together. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. I pray that you got something out of this message today. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe that it was a word right from the throne room of God, that God is really speaking to each and every one of us, preparing us for the best year that we've ever had. And again, if you want something that you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. All right, let's get ready. We're going to get ready to close. We're going to do right now, we're going to worship God with tithes, with offerings, special giving. You know, if you're struggling in your finances, you want to get your finances in order, <laughs> like I said, see, something that don't make sense. It don't make no sense to, that I would tithe, give my offerings, and as a result of that, you know, you'll open up the windows of heaven for me and pour me out a blessing. I don't have room enough to receive. That don't make sense, right? Again, it has, you have to... Forget about what makes sense to you. And you got to focus on, this is what God said to me. And because this is what God said, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> like it didn't make no sense for that woman to get them little jars. <laughs> it may not make sense to you that giving is going to somehow get something back to you. But that is the process that God put in motion. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. So tithes and offerings, they go in this envelope. You're going to write a check. You write it to the love of Jesus. You can give on your debit cards. You can use your cash app. Our cash app at Cashsum, L-O-J-N-N. You can use our Givelify at Love of Jesus of North York. You can use our 
zell at lojnorthnork at gmail.com. I'll read this, this scripture to you. And God blessed me with this. And he gave me the key to a continual harvest. And that's why I said, if you keep bringing, you keep giving, God will keep multiplying. In Amos chapter 9, verses 13, it says, Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest. And the one who treads the grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed. For the harvest continues until planting time. When the mountains will drip sweet wine and all, and all the hills shall melt. That is everything that once was barren will overflow with streams of blessings. And see, this is the key to continual harvest. If you keep sowing after you reap the first harvest, and that's why I said don't give up for the taste, right? Don't give, don't, don't, okay, I got my taste, I'm good. No, continue to sow. If you can sow until you get that first harvest, by the time you run out of that first harvest, you'll be running into the next harvest. And that's how you get continual blessing in your life. The key is making it to that first harvest. That's the one that takes the longest time. See, many people never make it to the first harvest because they stop somewhere in between. They give once, I didn't receive. Or they give for a little, for a little while, I say, I didn't receive, so I'm going to stop, right? But you got to give until you get to that first harvest. Once you get to that first harvest, that harvest will last you. And if you keep sowing, you'll live a life of continual harvest. You'll never stop reaping. It's like every time you turn around, more is coming. But you got to make it to that first one. That's the key. If you can make it to the first harvest and you don't stop sowing once you get it, you will feel like you're living in continual harvest time. So let's go ahead and let's get ready. Let's worship God with tithes and with offerings. Let's bless the Lord. Ushers and usherettes, you can come around. While we're on this, I want to mention that, um, you know, our Christmas toy giveaway is coming up this Thursday. You see, we start putting out toys under the under the tree. You know, I had um, Eben, Marlena, and Trinity was here. Man, there was toys everywhere. <laughs> I mean, they were everywhere. And they had to organize all these toys. We had, we had such an overflow. Like, if you look in the back, like, it's loaded. Like, this is just, this, this is all we can get under the tree. But it's loaded back there. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't use my studio if I wanted to. Eben can barely move back there. <laughs> toys everywhere. So what we're going to do this year, so it's, it's Thursday, December 22nd, this Thursday, right? One service at 6.30 p.m. You come then for your toys, right? Um, what we're going to do is we'll have a little thing. Choir's going to sing a little bit. I'm going to talk just a little bit. And then what we're going to do is these bags have family names on them. So what we've done is we, we've, we've packed the bags, each kid, two toys per kid already is in the bag, right? So when we do it, we'll say, you know, Alvarado family, right? It's right there. So come up, get the bag, and then we'll have toys on the perimeter. So what happens is each kid can then pick out the to another toy that they really want. So they already got, right? So that would be awesome, right? So they already have a bag packed, two toys per kid, then they'll go and they'll pick out another toy that they really want. That would be awesome. And then, you know, we'll have a good time. We'll, we'll bless the kids. It's going to be awesome. You know, so really looking forward to that. Um, if you didn't register and you come, we're going to take care of the kids that have already registered. And then, unfortunately, you'll have what's left. So, you know, we, we needed that information. We really need that information.
so we can make sure that each kid gets toys. Amen? Um, <clears throat> so that is the Christmas Eve. Now we have Christmas service, so we're going to have that Thursday is going to be the, the, the toy giveaway. Then we have this Sunday is going to be Christmas, but we'll have church on Christmas Day, right? And then, you know, we'll have regular service that day, and it'll be beautiful. We'll, we'll just kind of fellowship a little bit, and, and we'll enjoy Christmas together. You know, it is the day that we recognize the birth of Jesus, right? It's not his birthday, but we have officially designated that day to worship him for his birth, right? And for his great sacrifice. So if there's one day you need to be in church, it's that day. You know what I'm saying? Come to church. And have a little fun early. Have it later. But come to church. Amen? And then also, um, New Year's Eve service. And I'm going to take these out. We have flyers for our New Year's Eve service. I'll ask you to take some of these. Invite somebody to come to church on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve service is um, Saturday, December 31st. It's going to be 9 p.m. We're going to go right into the New Year. Right? And... Um, It'll be, it'll be a great service afterwards. We'll have a little cake fellowship a little bit. Then we'll go home because we are going to have service on New Year's Day, which is Sunday. But it's going to be at 11 o'clock, not 10 o'clock. Right? So you have an extra hour to get yourself together. All right? So I'm making sure I'm letting anybody you watching online. <laughs> it'll be an hour later. So probably 12, 15 will go live. <laughs> Amen. All right. I think that's everything. Stretch forth your hands. Let's bless this offering. And if you want to help us after this service to help us with the toys, we'll appreciate it because we got to set this place up for Thursday. So if you can stay and help us, we'll appreciate it. All right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for everybody that gave to this offering today. Father, bless your people. Open up for them the windows of heaven. Pour them out blessings that they don't even have room enough to receive. Shower them with the blessings and favor of God. Give them more than enough where there is no lack. Cause your beautiful people to prosper, flourish, grow, and be successful in everything that they do and put their hands to. Let this year be the most productive, the most blessed, the most prosperous year that they've ever had. And for it, we thank you and bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. All right, stand up on your feet, everybody. Let me bless you as we get ready to leave. And again, I'll ask you if you can, help us out. We're going to uh, set this place up for the toys. It's a little crazy, but it's going to be awesome. All right. And don't forget, come get one of these. Hand them out to somebody. Tell them to come to church on New Year's Eve. Amen? The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want everybody to say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. and I can't be cursed, I can't be cursed. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. I love you. Was Thursday toy giveaway? Amen. I love you. Bless you. No less talk. Play the soundtrack. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have your back. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have your back. Come fellowship with us at the Love of Jesus Church of North Newark. Led by pastors Gavin and Tanya Taylor. Where our mission is to find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a problem and solve it.